0: you <laughs>
1: Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Wednesday, September 29th, 2021. I am Dave Biddle. I am very happy to be joined by the G. Scott Sr., a.k.a. the Buckeye Preacher. Always fantastic to have you on every other Wednesday, my friend. Now, first of all, we have not talked in two weeks on the show. Since then, your son now is on the board, G. Scott Jr., a couple of receptions, both on third down, both for first down yardage. Two rece- receptions for 28 yards. As a parent, it's the first one is is always the best. That second one, second one felt good too. As you like to say, man, he, he's just he's in the oven. He's in the oven. Hey, that it, you know, it's coming along well. Congratulations, sir.
0: Uh, well, first of all, DB. Good morning to you and all the Buck out there. And yeah, as a as a father, for sure. Right. And I put a deal on Twitter where I showed his first catch in junior football. I showed his first catch in high school football. And then I showed his first catch in college. And look, we don't take, he doesn't take anything for granted. In that game against Tulsa, he had one snap, one catch. Right. And all you can do, DB, is build upon that. And yeah, he's still in the oven. He's still getting ready. He's been, to put it in perspective, he has been a tight end for five months. He's been a tight end for five months, switching positions. And I believe that the best that, let's just say I personally have a higher expectation for him than most. And so I look at it like the best thing that he can do is to develop and get better. And I don't think that there's anybody better at development when it comes to the tight end position than Kevin Wilson. Kevin Wilson's name is not always out there in the limelight. Kevin Wilson's name is not there when you start thinking about, oh, Kevin Wilson's the man. Oh, Kevin Wilson's that coach. But go ahead and rack them and stack them and look at all the tight ends that go through Kevin Wilson's room and look at where they go. They go to the NFL, and I'm not saying that the ultimate goal for my son is the NFL, but the ultimate goal for my son is to be the best player that he can be. And so, yeah, I appreciate you bringing that up, man. It was, it was dandy as a father to see it, brother.
1: Yeah, I told you the topics for the show, except for that one. I wanted to lead off with that one and surprise you a little bit. That's so cool as a, yeah. as a father. For uh, you know, I'm very happy for you guys. It's so good to get appreciate on the board. That. Then he got on the board the very next week, and um, I think we might cons- Continue to see his role increase and increase and increase, not just in the future, we know it will. I'm talking about this season. All right, let's get there's so much to get into. Let's start with the quarterback situation. Listen, man, the floor is yours. I mean, there's this I mean, Ohio State's quarterback situation. Your thoughts, sir?
0: You know, after the Akron game, I think the quarterback situation is better than most thought it was. And here's what I mean the starter according to coach Ryan day. And when he's healthy, he will remain the starter. When CJ Stroud sits down, takes a rest to rest up that shoulder DB. You have the young fella come in, you have McCourt, Cal McCourt come in. I thought Cal McCourt looked fantastic. I thought he was great. Had a little bit of the jitters, like all of us do when we start something new, um, And I thought he was poised. I thought the offense was running really well under him. And then my main man, Jack Miller, got in there, and the offense still did not dip. Notice, notice, out of all of the storylines that have been talked about since the Akron game, not one person has talked about there being a dip in the offense because of quarterback play. And so when you ask me about the quarterbacks, I think this is, should be a time that all of us should continue to coach, to trust Coach Ryan Day when it comes to, A, the development of the quarterback, and, B, the decisions he makes with the quarterback position. I thought the quarterbacks were fantastic. I thought that, again, Cal McCord and Jack Miller, I thought that they have been excellent. I love the way they handle themselves both on the field off the field, and, and it's a testament to how that quarterback room is being ran. And, and, and shout out to uh, Corey Dennis as well.
1: Yeah, I, I want to get into the true freshman and the redshirt freshman on this team. Um, now, full disclosure, as everybody listening to the show probably knows, your son is a redshirt freshman. It's not why I'm bringing this up. I mean, but I have never seen anything like this. And We knew this 2021 class was special. We knew the 2020 class was very good. Uh, I've never seen anything like this where the, the, the majority of the best players on this team right now, what, four games into the season, so we're not even talking about projecting it. Like right now, the majority of the best players on this team are true freshmen and redshirt freshmen. And I asked Ryan Day about this yesterday. I mean, they knew both classes were special, but he this takes him by surprise. What about you? I mean, when you look at this, it's, it's pretty crazy when you look out there Not just the amount of guys that are playing from those two classes, but how well they are playing.
0: Well, I don't know what Ryan Day's answer was, but I'll give you a little bit of what I see and feel. And I'm not saying that this answer is right. I think this answer is subjective. But this is what I've seen. Last year, 2020, weird year, right? Very odd. The, the Buckeyes a bit, played right? a, just just a little bit, uh, the Buckeyes played a total of eight games, and that includes a national championship game. So that was a year in which there were a lot of players that did not get the experience. So those leaders that were on the team last year, some of them have gone on, gone on to the NFL, And so some of the guys that have stepped up into that starting role, in all fairness, this is this is their first opportunity to be starters. They never really had a year to be able to get a lot of those reps. Now, imagine if this year was just like last year again, not being able to get the young guys that much experience, because if you remember last year, Ryan Day and the coaching staff, they weren't really able to go as deep into the season because, A, there was no uh, room for error. They had to win every single game. So as far as why and what we're seeing, I think there has to. There has to be a concession made, DB, for what happened last year, the pandemic we had gone through. Um, and And I do believe that this team that we see right now I still think this team is phenomenal. I think it's fantastic. But at the same time, I also think this team is young. Now, the last time you and I were on the show, I want to address something because I saw there were a few comments from people that says, we don't need the rah-rah. We don't need all the positive. We need to get down to the nitty gritty and talk about what's happening. And I, w- I have a response for that. And here's my response. I've been around an NFL team for 18 years. Of those 18, almost 10 of them have been with arguably one of the best teams uh, out there in the Seattle Seahawks in the tenure of Pete Carroll. If there's one thing I learned from Pete Carroll during that time in spending four or five days a week around some of the greatest that has ever done it, check this out. You don't win or lose games when you are actually, I mean, technically the scoreboard, yeah, win lost games. But how you win and lose games, you win and lose games off, like when people aren't looking at practice. Nobody's at practice. Nobody's there during the week. And how you get through the week is being positive. Nothing good happens from being negative. So I just wanted to address that part. And this is the reason why I'm the way that I am with positivists because I saw the greatest, the Richard Shermans, the Earl Thomas, the camp chancellors, the Russell Wilsons. By the way, Russell Wilson is probably the greatest person to ever do it when it comes to being positive at all. And, it's pro- and, and, and by the way, let me admit, let me raise my hand. When I first met Pete Carroll, I was nauseous by it. I was like, this is not real. This whole positive, this, get, get out of here. This is fake and it's phony. Well, it works, so that's why I choose to be that way. Go ahead. We're all glad you choose to be
1: this way. You're fantastic in life and even uh, doing podcasts. Hey, that's part of life uh, too, though. You're, you're, you're good sure. in all facets, my man. Listen, let's talk about this Kayvon Pope ordeal. Um, I want to set it up a little bit for the listeners. I, I really believe if all of this happened, and, and yeah, it was bad, not just what happened on the field. Everybody saw what happened with him quitting the team, basically going back to the locker room, what he said on social media. I really believe if he wasn't um, – you know, I, I've been told he was in the doghouse already, not just from this year, but things that have happened in the past. This certainly wasn't a first offense. I am convinced, gee, if this was a first offense, maybe even a second offense, as bad as it was, and he came back and, and went back on the team and apologized, I think Ryan Day would have let him. I do feel bad for Kayvon. Um, High-pressure situation. I wish him well going forward. I support what Ryan Day did here. I feel like he had no choice. Again, if it was a first offense, I think Kayvon Pope would still be on the team if he wanted to be, if he apologized. I'm being told this is far from a first offense. Uh, This is the worst of the offenses. Nothing, never did anything like crazy. But we remember last year he got on social media was complaining that Justin Hilliard was playing ahead of him. I'm very curious to get your take on this situation.
0: DB, all of us, we are not the sum Of our past mistakes right we you me everybody listening right now we are all better than the worst moments of our lives now let me address this young man and notice i said young man he will have to accept those consequences no doubt about it he accepted looked at look the coach and I look at look at the look, look at the, uh, the school, the Buckeyes and I and accept that. Now he has the opportunity to go and this is the first day of the rest of his life to go be a better person. I'm repeat, I am not excusing it. What he did was wrong. His actions were selfish. but that doesn't mean it's over for him. And the problem that I have is this absoluteness we have when it comes to life today. This get them out of here, get rid of them, be done with them. And I just am, am one because I can only speak for myself. I would not be here today if people didn't give me a second, third, and fourth chance. If social media, wasn't around today, I believe Pope would still be on the team because he wouldn't have had an avenue in which to do that. So, again, I think that um, I respect the decision that uh, Coach Ryan Day has done. I respect the the statement that that young man put out on Twitter. He made a comment. He, He apologized for his actions. And all he can do is go forward with it. Now, the next part I want to talk about is this. And maybe this is a topic maybe we can kind of discuss and we can go a little bit longer because I really do believe that this is a real situation. Let's talk about social media and the impact that it's really having, not just on our children, but on all of us. It's tough, DB. It it really is tough. These young men are 18, 19, 20 sometimes the same people that loved you, the same people that told you how great you are. And then all of a sudden you look up on social media and you you possibly can see some of the same people tell you that you're terrible. Get out of here. You're the worst. You suck. And it's easy for somebody in their forties like me. I'm an old man. And I could say, yeah, these kids shouldn't be listening to that. Nah. We're human. There's a human element to that, and so if what I wish going forward is that we adults have a little bit more grace on these young men and women that are trying to just just make their way in the world, we need to be better examples because that's what I'm seeing a lot of. And I'm not just talking about. I'm not just talking about Ohio State. I'm talking about throughout the entire country, right? And so I'm bringing that up to say, DB, it brings a certain amount of pressure that we adults can't really understand. We can't understand the pressure that these young men and women go through. Now, somebody might say, well, you know, they get the scholarships and now this new name image likeness, they deserve it. They, they, They gotta be tough. Well, they're still kids. Yeah, I know they're 18, 19, some 20, 21. I don't care what anybody says. I, if your son or daughter is 21 years old, they're a kid to me because I remember what I was like at 21. So yeah. I think I, I, I just, one last thing. I believe that curriculums across the country, high school, elementary, junior high, let me ask you this, DB: Have you ever taken a conflict resolution class in school? I don't believe I have. No. Yeah. Have you Have you ever taken an anger management class in school?
1: You ever taken? I, I have not, but like given them what given the way I act during like when my sports teams are on TV, I probably should.
0: Yeah. I'm I'm bringing that up is because why do we wait? until something happens before someone has to get into those things. Why can't we just act early on and put these things in classes now? One of our biggest problems with, not just our young men and women, but with our adults, we don't do a good job with conflict resolution. We don't do a good job with anger management. And so I look at the Kayvon Pope situation I am not giving him excuses, but I am saying that the Kayvon Pope situation is bigger than just him. This is a bigger thing that collectively, if we are going to try to prevent this from happening in the future, then we need to come together all across the country and talk about some of these things before they happen.
1: I agree with you 100%. Very well said, as always. I mean, these guys are already, you know, even going back in the day, it was already a pressure cooker for Ohio State football. And you're, you can speak on the NFL. Now you can speak on big time college football. You have a very unique uh, perspective on this. I agree with you 100%. So it was already before social media an extreme pressure cooker. Then you add in social media. I mean, that has all of the makings of being toxic if you don't play things right. And, you know, if you're a little bit emotional, and I can be a lot emotional, um, you know, things can get out of hand and you can get in trouble. So I have empathy for people when that happens. I mean, I'll give you, you know, going back, you know, when I was a little kid, Ohio State had this, it wasn't even the spring game they had. I was eight years old. It was 1984. So now everybody knows how old I am. Um, And they had, you know, kind of a Kind of a pseudo spring game at De- dayton welcome stadium it wasn't even the real spring game It was like a traveling road show in the 1984 spring game so they had the real spring game at ohio stadium and then they came down to dayton and did kind of another spring game it's packed in there at welcome stadium after the spring game got keith byers on the field quarterback mike tomzak chris carter fans all around them i mean you wouldn't believe them. they're being mobbed i mean it looked like you know your favorite rock band was in, in town. Your favorite group was in town. These guys were being mobbed the next day in the paper. It's everything about these guys. That was in 1984. And, you know, I, mean, I remember just looking at them as a little kid thinking, wow. I remember Keith Byers saying, I got to get to the bus, guys. I got to get the bus. So, like trying to sign the last autograph thinking, wow, I can't believe it, it was an eighth- uh, you know, as an eight-year-old, I'm thinking, I cannot believe how under the microscope these guys are. And these guys were like my heroes. Imagine if social media existed back then. Not that those three guys would have gotten in trouble. Well, Chris Carter probably would have. He got in trouble anyway. I love Chris Carter. By the way, Chris, if you're listening to the show, you're the man. I hope you're listening. <laughs> um, so Chris got in trouble anyway. But to your point, it's always been crazy as Ohio- at Ohio State for as long as I can remember. Not just like, oh, wow, they, they kind of take football serious here. I'm talking crazy. I love it. But to your point, you add in social media, Twitter, Facebook, everything else, man, it just ratchets it up. And I feel bad for Kayvon Pope, but I also feel like Ryan Day had no choice here.
0: Uh, and, and, you, and you know what? Um, I, I, I can't agree or disagree with that, right? Um, and, and I like what you said. You feel bad for Pope. And then at the same time, you understand wh- why Coach Ryan Day had to make that decision. And I just look at Kayvon Pope as this is, this is bigger than just him, right? And this is where it happens is, is there's a, 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 there needs to be more attention being made to. We, now, hear me out now. We talk about this a lot. We talk about mental health, but then when mental health issues come up, we kind of shy away from it and we're nervous of it. We, 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 we can't tiptoe with this. We either got to go all in or not. And a lot of mental health issues happen, I'm not saying that Kayvon Pope has mental health issues, I want to be clear, but I'm just saying in general, mental health issues, we got to be forward thinking with this, right? There needs to be like, you know, hey, oh, you got to get in shape. You got to get in shape. You got to get ready for football. You got to get in shape. You got to get in shape. Well, why can't get in shape be some type of sports psychology classes to help with this? Take a period of time to help with the mind because that's the hardest thing in college that is the hardest thing that my son has to deal with in college is the mental not the physical they've been doing this their whole life It's the mental. You start to question yourself. So then your body's good. You're physically good. And then you want to know, like, oh, am I good enough? Well, I just saw this fan on Twitter say I wasn't no good. And then my playing time got cut a little bit. But I played five snaps this game, and then I played no snaps this game. Oh, I don't know if football is for me. Then all the people back home want to know if I'm going to be the man or not. All of these things are going through a young man's mind. So, again... Is there an easy fix? Oh, no. Pandora's box is open. You can't get the toothpaste back in the tube. This social media world is here. It's here forever. But man, if they're just we just got to do a better job of starting to understand the pitfalls of this. And you're right. Buckeye football. You are definitely, definitely under the microscope. And boy, there's so many fans out there that are passionate and they have high expectations and. You know what they say, What well, don't kill you, make you stronger. <laughs> <laughs>
1: hey, last thing, by, by the way, great discussion there on social media and how it just, man, makes the pressure cooker even crazier. Um, thoughts on this game at Rutgers, man. It could be crazy. I watched the entire game against uh, Michigan last week. Michigan, early on, I've been saying all offseason, Michigan's going to be terrible. Then through the first three weeks, I'm like, uh, uh-oh, this – Defensive coordinator Mike McDonald might be their version of Jeff Halfley coming from young coach, position coach in the NFL on the the way up. First-time defensive coordinator. Is he in over his head? No, they were looking really, really good. Yeah, not against the best talent, but Western Michigan's no pushover. They beat Pitt, and Michigan destroyed them by 33, Western Michigan. Washington's not that good, as you know, living right there. But still, Michigan destroyed them. Um, And it looked like they were going to destroy Rutgers. They're up 20-3. to And then for the first time, Michigan got punched in the mouth and they didn't handle it well. Rutgers dominated that second half. Michigan's lucky that game didn't go to overtime. Even, not just in the second half, total yards. Rutgers had almost 100 more total yards than Michigan for the game and absolutely dominated the second half. So that makes me feel good long-term that Michigan's maybe not uh, – maybe they're more what I thought in the offseason than what they looked the first three games. So that makes me feel good, G. Um, but looking at the Buckeyes versus Rutgers in Piscataway this Saturday, are you concerned? What are your thoughts on this game?
0: Um, there's no concern. Um, I I, I think I'm encouraged and I'm encouraged because I think uh, the Buckeyes, the football team are on the same page with the fan base. And what I mean by that is this, nobody's now looking past any other team. Everybody is saying, you know what? We have to worry about Rutgers. Mm -hmm. The energy is in Rutgers. We're not thinking about any other game. You got to go into this now. When you rack them and stack them, when you start talking about the Buckeyes, talent-wise, I mean, absolutely. There's no concern. Um, do I think that this team is starting to get better? Sure. Now, you it's hard to maybe judge off Akron because people might say, well, it's Akron. However, the positive news is, is the Buckeyes did what they were supposed to do against Akron, And they did that without their starting quarterback, right? And they also did that with some hidden gems. We now have some new household names that are showing up on this Buckeye team. So we now know that there's depth. So as far as this Rutgers game is concerned, um, I I feel pretty good. I, I feel like there's really no concern. Whoever um, I don't know who's going to be the start. I don't know if CJ is going to be healthy. Um, I think uh, our, our our running game looks really good. And and by the way, football's simple, man. If you can run the football, you can do anything. Run the football, you can win. So the fact that right now, the Buckeyes that offensive line is phenomenal. It's fantastic. And the run game. All three of those guys, Mayan, Trevion, and Master, they're doing a phenomenal job. Now, defensively, I think that we again we found some diamonds in the roughs. So we have some depth right there. We got some D-line out there. We got some youngsters. We're starting to see my main man Steel Chambers. He say I've been out of position the entire time. Put me at the linebacker. Let's go. Still Chambers is coming on his own. And I thought that um, the secondary will will do his thing. But just remember, football starts up front, baby. Football starts up front. The front seven gets things together. Everything else in that secondary becomes magic. Uh, I feel good about going to Rutgers and taking care of business.
1: He is G. Scott Sr. He is the Buckeye preacher. Thank you very much, sir, for your time. We appreciate it very much. Thank you to all the listeners out there for tuning in the show. We also appreciate that very much. Hope everyone has a great day. Let's hear that Buckeye swag, best damn band in the land.